my show. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're enjoying this Martin Luther King Day. Uh, if you're off, good for you. We're not off. We're here. We're working for the people. So I hope you are, though. I hope you're off. I hope you're enjoying it. It's been a good good couple days here for you. Had some playoff football. None of the games that great, unless you're a Detroit Lions fan, in, case, in which case last night was very good for you. And it was the only close game of the weekend. The others were just utterly trash. Sorry about your Dolphins, Tom. <laughs> well, I mean, being a Dolphin fan and watching them play all season long, I knew whenever they were up against high-caliber teams, they just don't have it. They don't have a defense. Their defense has been racked with injuries, and even when their defense was good, they still aren't at the same level as your Philadelphia Eagles, your Baltimore Ravens, your you know Green Bay Packers. Yeah. No, it's if you're a Dolphins fan, a Cowboys fan, the, the Cowboys we, fan, though, <laughs> dude, that one stung a lot. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was it was a rough it was a rough weekend for some 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 fan bases out there, no doubt. Two games today, tonight. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Um, you're enjoying them. Uh, we've got the yeah the, the Bills game is is on, and you've got the other one uh, coming up here tonight. So hopefully you enjoy that. But let's get to the show. We're mostly back on track after some sickness last week. Thanks for your patience on on Thursday, and we've got plenty to get to today because of it. We've got more chaos overseas and right here at home. The terror threat continues to grow out of control here in the U.S. because of our open borders. It's also Iowa Caucus Day. You've got a Trump Vivek spat that's kind of started. We'll discuss that. I've got this. We've got another. I want to say this because you got to another's a key word here. Another John Fetterman clip where he gets something right. Was going to show it Thursday. We'll show it today. We've got all that and more that's coming up. Let's get right into it with the news crews. But the border's wide ass open. It's 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 just open. We've got a we've got so many problems right now in the United States of America. But among the biggest is certainly the fact that we've lost our national sovereignty, our national security because of this regime. I don't want to call it Biden's border policy because he's not making the decisions. But this regime's policies on the border are just catastrophic. It's atrocious. We talk about it all the time. I'm not going to beat that dead horse again. But what I am going to do is remind you of the problems that come with it. National security being a big one. Sure, you know, the, the fentanyl issue is awful. Drugs, violence in communities that comes from it. Just the, the, the strain on our economy from, from all the many facets of, of, of what comes with, with the border issues. But you've got newfound concerns about national security, specifically concerns about Hezbollah sleeper cells being on in the, uh, the ground right here in the United States. Let's go to this clip for, for, from Fox News, excuse me, just to kind of tee things up and then we'll discuss it. This is a very sophisticated terror organization, Sean. It's been reported that there are sleeper cell agents from Hezbollah in the United States. They have proxies around Latin America. We'll remember their attacks in Argentina and other places for many years. And of course, we can't forget the Beirut attacks. Uh, so Hezbollah has, it's a terror group that has long roots and long capability to attack and kill Americans. Okay, so the reason we have this issue and it's not just Hezbollah, by the way, who is the issue. 
Hezbollah, not the kind of people you want on the ground in the United States. But the reason we have this issue is because of this border policy. And this is, this is an alarming threat, right? Concern. And again, I, I, I reiterate, it's not just folks, it's not just Hezbollah. And honestly, not in defense of the Biden administration, we've had people coming across that you don't want here in the United States since even before the Biden administration. Bad people find ways to do bad things. So you've, you've always had sleeper cells and individuals here, whether they're part of a cell, whether they're lone wolf, whatever, they're here in the United States of America. I'm not trying to, to be Debbie Downer, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. But there's a lot of discussion right now about Hezbollah and having sleeper cells on the ground here. Obviously with everything that's popping off over in the Middle East, that's a concern. They, would be, they are, are far more likely to strike or execute some form of operation now than ever before but you know what again would stop it or let's not say stop it greatly reduce it the obvious answer closing our border right closing our border just for reference this is a little side nugget here if if i may we have how many miles of, of border wall tom uh, uh, the, what that we have up or that's that we open up. Uh, did Trump complete like 500? Yeah, it was like right 550 miles. 500, yeah. So yeah. not not complete. Obviously, uh, if the wall's not complete, it's not it's not a wall. It's just it's just a, a barrier of sorts. But for reference, do you want to know? There's there's all this stuff going on overseas. Israel Hamas war, all the history with with Palestine Palestinians. The fact that none of the surrounding Middle East countries want a single Palestinian to enter their country. Remember, Egypt said they would rather see a million people die than have one Palestinian come into their country. That says a lot about Palestine, but we're not going to go down that path. I bring up the issue because just as, as a point of reference, Egypt does this. This is what Egypt's border looks like to keep Palestinians and others out of their country. Look at this wall between Egypt and Gaza. You know what that leads to in two words national security you know what it affords in one word you could pick several sovereignty safety security pick whichever one you want <laughs> that's a damn border wall right there constantina wire not just one layer but multiple layers you've got to be committed look at the end of the day you get over that wall welcome to the country here's some hummus that's it's a wall. That's that. That's that's impressive. Yeah, so uh, we have 741 miles up, according to this website that I found. Okay. So nowhere near enough. Nowhere near enough. But that that's crazy. But even still, our wall too that we have. They say it's not scalable and stuff. But you've seen, we've seen videos where they have like the ladders that can go over. People have dug holes underneath it. Like there's ways to get of through course, it. There's um, always a that way. one. There's not that much you could do. Well, I mean, you can go under. <laughs> you can go under, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's always a way, and, and evil will always find a way. But what you have to do is mitigate as much as you can, right? Okay. 
how do we how do we stop 95% of them and then and then once we've stopped that we can get more specific and strategic about the clever and crafty ways that they're going to circumvent our, 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 in this case, our border or our, our border policies and immigration policies writ large, then you can get more specific. As it stands, you're focused on covering this huge area, this massive swath of territory, and then there's still all the other clever ways they're doing it. So you're just inundated. And by the way, you're not even doing that right now. Right now, of course, it's just open, and you've got Customs and Border Patrol officers who are being told, hey, 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 listen, no, you swore an oath. I know you did this for the right reason. You signed up. You went through all the training. You took Spanish language if you didn't already know it. You went through the academy. We want you to forget that oath that you swore and just not enforce the laws. Got me? You're a processing agent now. You're not an agent. You're a processing officer who happens to have a gun on his or her hip. Which is not a slight, by the way, on CBP. You guys know how I feel about law enforcement people who serve. They're just not allowed to do their job. They're just not allowed to do their job. Well, they can fist bump them when they come in. Yeah. They can do that. But in the meantime, you get your crotch grabbed at the airport. Yes. That's how, that's how citizens are treated. Which sometimes is rather enjoyable, but not always. I was going to say, did that happen to you recently, Tom? Or No, it happened to oh, my okay. son, and it pissed me off. He was wearing oh, a geez. pair of basketball shorts, and the uh, TSA agent, oh, there's something you know, right here at the belt line. And it's like, there's a couple it's of ways. It's called a you... penis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a couple of ways you can go about doing this. Flip your waistband inside out. Totally fine with that. Run your hand around the waistband. Do you really have to have a 16-year-old spread his legs and go up and down each leg? Then it's complete and utter bullshit. It's just a compliance thing that they're doing. They're, 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 we're at the phase now of this Marxist revolution where it's demoralization. So wherever they can demoralize American citizens, that's what they're going to do. So the key is just to be strong. Choose your battles wisely. You know, I, it, for I wanted to strangle that. TSA guy, but I was like, you know what? There's nothing I can do at this point. I can, you know, cause a scene, cause a viral video, but he's doing his job the way that he's supposed to be doing it, and the way that he's supposed to be doing it is designed by people who are expecting people like him to carry it out all in demoralization. The, The agent has no idea what he's doing and what he's a part of. He's just a cog in what's happening. Yeah. No, that's probably true. I think, look, a lot of them, a lot of them aren't necessarily aware and witting of what's actually going on with all of that and how absurd a lot of the, the components of the TSA job are. Uh, it's, it, 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 but you've also got some who, as we've talked about before, are just power hungry. I couldn't get a real cop job or I couldn't get a real you know, big person job so I'm doing this. And I'm sorry if you're offended by that. It's just not, it's just not a cool job. You're not a, 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 a true, quote-unquote, sworn-in law enforcement officer. Yes, you have a like, a like a mall badge on your shirt. But but a lot of them are like the flight attendants during COVID. They just have this this power, and they feel like they can abuse it, and, and some of them do. Some of them, again, as you're saying, Tom, and I think that's the fair and right thing to do here, are just, hey, I just, this, this is procedure for me. I'm just doing it. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with what's going on on your waistline, son, but got to check it anyways. Uh, but, but point being is getting back to what we're talking about here. You've got threats of, of Hezbollah sleeper cells and or operators. Op, no, let's not call them operators because that's, 
that's comparing them to our, our operators, which is not, not accurate, but operatives here on the ground, and there is a real threat and a concern. If, and look, wh what degree of, of threat it is or isn't, no one out there can verify. I could have maybe to a certain degree in my old job. I'm not in that job anymore. I don't have access to that information. But the thought of it, it makes sense, right? We've got an open border. There's people from so many countries, well over 100 countries that have come in to the United States because of what's happening on the border. And then you have our enemies who even before Israel and Hamas wanted to get in here and, and do harm to the West because that is literally what they live for. Their ideology is kill infidels. So you have, you have the current situation and it makes sense and it's super concerning and, and, it, and it ratchets up, ratchets up in your mind as you think about what's happening overseas. You've got right. Hezbollah, you know, Hezbollah just this week putting out a video, maybe just put that on B-roll disco, but you've got Hezbollah putting out a video this week threatening to attack, you know, the U.S. naval fleet out, out there in, in the Med. Not just the Med, but the, 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 general, the general area over there in the Middle East, off the shores of the Middle East. So you've got that happening. You've got the U.S. and, 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 and Brits striking the Houthis in Yemen over the weekend. You've got Israel, Hamas, all of this together and the threat of a broader, wider Mideast war and or something bigger than that popping off at any time. So of course they're gonna try and position assets in the United States and try and do things that would be disruptive and perhaps devastating to, to the US and, and our citizens and communities. Right, and also in the last 10 years, starting with Ferguson, we've seen the rise of BLM and Antifa as being terrorist organizations within the United States. And what people have to realize is in these 10 years that we have a quarter of the population that dislikes the country, hates the way it is. And then you have a radical percentage of them who are willing to engage in acts of violence. The difference between BLM and Antifa and Hezbollah is Hezbollah are like really true believers and pros at this. But we've had these folks for the last 10 years practicing. So all they need are colonels and generals to come in and say, okay, this is what we're doing and, and organize those malcontents. And now you have more fighting units and you have fighting units that look like Americans. Yeah. You know, they could be black, they could be white, they could be Hispanic, they're not necessarily of Middle Eastern origin, but they say they, they, they share the same ideology that Hezbollah does in collapsing Western civilization. So that's something that, it, to me, is you know is just as if not more troubling than the influx of people that we're having in you know of just Hezbollah sleeper cells. We're looking at you know in in terms of like traditional military where you have Green Berets who run unconventional. You've got unconventional fighters coming into the United States. Think of it like Green a Green Beret unit. Unconventional fighters coming into the United States and organizing militias that are already here into combat forces. To me, that is like a dream come true for somebody who wants to do damage to the United States.
Yeah, absolutely. And and those somebodies are, are not just foreign entities, but people here at home. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about what's happening overseas, but we're talking about our border and what could happen here. And, and the prospect of war, get to that in a second, abroad, that is, at least for now. We'll get to that in a second. But you, but you do. I mean, the biggest threat really does come here at home, and that could be from a lot of different actors. But it's, it's, it's terrifying that you've got everything that you just described, Tom, and we talk about that a ton here, but, but it is. It's absolutely terrifying, and it's terrifying that there's people in this government here, and, and not even just the government, but all of their proxies who would be okay with it. Because it, oh. it furthers what they're trying to do. Not only would they be okay with it, but not to go too sinister here, they, they need it. They need that upheaval. They need those, those insurrection-type events that they would call. They need violence. They need all of that. It's, it's so key to accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish here in this country. Yeah, you just look at it, it, it take take the weaponry out of it. In the last 10 years, we've seen factions within the United States practicing street to street fighting. I mean, you know, albeit they're using rocks, bottles, and fireworks, but the tactics are the same. Engage, push, push, retreat. Engage, push, push, retreat. That's what we're seeing time and time again over every major city, whether it was the Ferguson riots and the fallout from that, whether it was Baltimore and the fallout from that, or the BLM riots of the summer of St. Floyd in 2020 all over the United States. People are practicing street fighting techniques. The last step is to arm them, is to train them and arm them up. That's the 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 one big difference right now between Hezbollah as a terror group and BLM and Antifa right now is BLM and Antifa haven't done any dramatic sort of terror strikes where they, they've gone in, taken people hostage, executed people, because they're they're at the point where Democrats need them to keep strike fear and terror into people just by street level violence. Yeah. Once you take that other step, that's the last last step into some sort of takeover of the United States. Yeah. No, I yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It's it's terrifying stuff. And and I, it's all fixable stuff. Not necessarily all of it easily, but it is all fixable stuff. But I, I want to just go back overseas for a second. I, or I want to go just to let's just go back to chaos, shall we call it for a second, because we've got the the threats of, of Hezbollah sleeper cells here at home. We've got the threats of a whole lot of other folks coming across our wide open border. We've got the U.S. and the Brits striking Yemen, which obviously Iran is not too happy about, specifically not the country of Yemen, but the Houthis within Yemen. But they are Iranian backed militia members. That's who they are. That's what they do. They sow chaos in their particular region of the Middle East and do the bidding of Iran, as is the case with so many groups, Hezbollah included also an Iranian-backed group. So you've got all these groups, and, and they're here obviously not just because of the Israel-Hamas stuff, because, but because Iran hates the United States and because the United States has a hard-on right now to get into war with Iran. They just do. Look at, look at what people are saying and doing in Washington. Both sides of the aisle. It's coming. It's so likely to happen. I, I hope it doesn't. I hope some sense and some reason kicks in somewhere. But you've got the warmongers, the Lindsey Grahams of the world, who are dead set on getting us into another war, which would be catastrophic 
especially with so many other things going on around the world. We don't need to reiterate the long list of concerns happening around the, 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 the world. But, but you've got that. And then, and then you start to get to the, man, I just hope that there's not more gas poured on this fire, that, it's, that we don't give permanent Washington more ammunition to go to war with Iran, to continue pushing back and, and creating opportunities that could lead to a further escal escalation in war with Iran. And then something else happens. And you've got, like what happened just in the last day or two here, you've got a U.S. cargo vessel that was hit with a missile by Iranian-backed Houthis. Here was the, the aftermath of it. Take a look. So that's not good. That's not going to ease the temperatures, lower the temperatures. Not going to reduce the, the threat of more violence between us and Iranian proxies and Iran and or Iran directly. Uh, you see that? That's the type of justification. I'm not saying that the U.S. is going to launch an all-out you know, aerial strike and invasion into Iran, into Iran because of this. That's not what I'm saying. Hear, hear me correctly here. But these are the types of things that I guarantee to you, this happens and Lindsey Graham gets a ginormous war boner and he and his friends go and sit down in a quiet, dark room somewhere and Lord knows what else they do there, but they sit down and they say, you see, We've got to stop this now. We've got to be more proactive. This is the guy who says we should bomb Iran off the map. And, and, and they figure out what they do next. And each of those what we do next type moments lead to the other side doing, well, then what are we going to do, right? It's a, we live in a tit-for-tat world. And all of a sudden, you find yourself at war with Iran. Lindsey Graham's boner has not gone away because of it. And we have, we have our sons and daughters going to fight a war that didn't need to be fought. I mean, don't you think, Tom, you see these types of events, you're like, great. We've given, we've given all these neocons and warhawks way more ammunition. This is the same movie that we went through in the 90s. Remember in the 90s, we had the, uh, the, the coordinated and the simultaneous attacks on the embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, and then we have the Kobar Tower attacks in Saudi Arabia, yeah. and that leads to the USS Cole bombing, and then it all culminates with the attack of the World Trade Centers. We've seen this before. We're going to see more and more terror strikes on U.S. interests until it gets to a point where it becomes so devastating that it, it, it gins up all kinds of emotions from Americans to say, we want revenge. Let's go after these MFers, just yeah. like we had in 9-11. It, it's It looks like, to me, the identical playbook. Yeah. No, it feels that way. You can feel whether you, none of us should want to feel it. But I mean, even I before the show earlier today, I've got a, a thread with a bunch of my former colleagues from a certain organization. And even I mean, we, we look, we've lived some of these wars. We fought in these wars. And and someone and someone kind of made a similar point to what you were just making there, Tom. Like it feels exactly like some of these things. It's coming. It's coming. And you just do, you have that sense.
Maybe it's going to look slightly different than than we're projecting or talking about here on the show or others are talking about in in media, but but something is coming. Something is coming. It's just it's just and and it's not just there, right? You've got and I, I don't uh, this next headline is is I think is is kind of out there, but you've you've got folks in Germany talking about a scenario where tens of thousands of German soldiers would be deployed against this, 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 their concerns over a fictitious attack by Russia on, on Germany slash NATO as a whole. And you've got headlines over there, exclusive secret paper, possible escalation against NATO as early as 2024. Obviously that came out, you know, just a couple weeks ago, but, but you've got people just panicked and drumming up all sorts of fear, some justified, some less so, but you've got all this going on. And I just, real quick, as we, as we do this, as we do these concerning stories from overseas and right here at home, guys, I'm just telling you with all this uncertainty, and, and I think of it particularly as the stuff at home and the stuff with Iran. I think the Russia-Ukraine stuff is bad. I think things could happen there for sure. It doesn't help. And if something else happens, it doesn't help that we've got a two-front war. But with all of this uncertainty, I, as always, I'm urging you just to be prepared. Just be smart. Don't be caught scrambling, trying to figure out how to get water and food, how to power your devices, so forth and so on. Be prepared for weeks on end should something catastrophic happen. That could be war. I hope not. It could be grid failure, civil unrest because of elections. Didn't, I don't know if you are paying attention. There's a really big election going on this year. <laughs> could be just the everyday division that's being sown in this country or anything. Also, uh, remember, uh, sometimes it doesn't even have to happen, all these things we're worried about. The panic that comes along with thinking about these things stirs mayhem. How did your hunt for toilet paper go during the scandemic? Not, not great, right? Because people were panic buying. You couldn't get water, toilet paper, any of that stuff. That's why I'm excited about this new partner, Prepper Beef. You know I love my meat. And you know a lot of the meals that are ready to eat, you know, the, the MRE type meals, it's just not that good. I'm not saying don't have it on hand. You should have it on hand. But you, you can do better. You can do better, and Prepper Beef's changed the game. So get beef. Freeze-dried sous-vide beef. Lasts for 10 years plus. You can eat it when it arrives, or you can save it for when you need it. Check it out, guys. There's tons of options. You can get ribeye, strip, filet mignon, more. You choose or try them all in a mix box, but get some so you have it when you need it. Prepper Beef is a veteran-owned company, doesn't sell lab-grown meat, will never let their cattle be injected with mRNA. No one pays attention to that but it's super important. You are what you eat and you are what you eat ate. So it doesn't sell out for big government or corporate America either. They're not gonna go woke. So stock up, prepare the right way with Prepper Beef. Go to beefwithdrew.com. You can save 25% off your purchase with promo code DREW, D-R-E-W. All of it's right there on the site. Go through, it's a great site, it's a great company. Again, it's beefwithdrew.com. Be prepared guys, it's crazy out there. It's crazy out there, and we're um, we're just hoping that you you pay attention to all of all of what's going on and and have your your ducks in a row. Speaking of unrest, it's not just overseas. We've got plenty here at home. 
What, Tom? Drew, I, I just wanted to bring up one point. I mean, you know, I, in looking at, at what's going on overseas, I look at everything that the government does through the lens of propaganda. And propaganda is basic storytelling, whatever narrative you want. And being a storyteller is what I've done my, you know, been doing my entire career, producing, directing, whatever it may be. Right. There's a couple of things that go into a good story. You need a protagonist and an antagonist. And if you look back in history of every military conflict the United States has been involved with, you've always had the antagonist. Either it was Adolf Hitler in the Nazis. It was, you know, Ho Chi Minh in the North Vietnamese. It was Pol Pot in the um, uh, Khmer Rouge. It was Castro in his death squads. So you got I look at everything that the government does as producing a film. If I was going to make a film, what would it be? So right now we've talked about this before. I've got the 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 um, the what is it the 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 Hooties. I keep wanting to say the Hutu and the Tootsies. The Hooties. It's kind of a mixture of the both. Also, but you have a the Hooties. Problem, but yeah, the Hooties. Yeah. You have the Hooties as being your bad guys, and you also have Iran as your ultimate bad guy. But what's missing out of this script is the one antagonist. You know, before we had Osama bin Laden. Oh, Osama bin Laden's the leader of Al Qaeda. You know, in nobody really heard of Mullah Omar or anybody else really from the Taliban. But it was the Taliban who was giving al-Qaeda refuge and this and that, as soon as we get the star bad guy, then we're going to have a war. Until we get, until we name one specific person, it's just going to keep escalating, escalating until Washington, like the big red carpet of a big premiere, is going to come out with the bad guy saying, this is our nemesis, this is who we're going after. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. You are missing that. Uh, you've got it with Putin in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Right, exactly. You had that with the Wagner group. You know, yep. you had all these baddies lined up. But the thing was, not the majority of Americans never bought into it. They right. didn't buy into it because it was so far away. It didn't affect them. Right. And it's like, why are we over there? Why are we doing this? Yeah, you, you showed us who the bad guy is and who the other bad guys are. But this doesn't really affect. Oh, wait a second. You're, so now you're telling us the good guys are also Nazis. And <laughs> For the whole right. PR move, that started going downhill rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, people found out about all the fake stories, all the propaganda stories. Yeah, no, it didn't catch fire. It's like monkeypox here. Oh, wait, I haven't been sleeping around with a bunch of dudes at like an orgy after a rave. I'm good. So the panic went away. Oh, Ukraine's one of the most corrupt countries on the planet. Everything you've told about this this so far has been a lie. I might keep it up because I'm I'm an average average thinker as a human i might keep my profile pick up with the blue and the yellow in it but i'm not really all in on the war anymore that's that's where a lot of people are i think you're right uh, but but they do they need that that antagonist that key figure here and they don't have it but trust me there's lots of them over there they just have to choose which one they're going to go with and don't think that they're not thinking about it because war is profitable for them it makes no sense to, to most everyday laymans out there, just normal Americans who want to go about their day. You should be able to go about your day, by the way. 
Right. But it makes a, a crap ton of money for these other folks. Well, we remember the Iraq invasion. Of course, Saddam Hussein was the ultimate antagonist. But then they came out with that deck of cards, and it was a complete cast of characters. Yes. You know, even if even if Saddam was done, you still had 51 others in the deck to go after. So the the government always the the, the well the government and the industrial the military industrial complex always has their sights set on a conflict that is going to last more than three months of course of course well and and even even yeah because even the conflicts that should be three months or less or let's call it let's be generous in a year or less that's what they do is they just carry these things out that's all we do and it's it's not even always nation building it usually is but all of these things man there's so much money to be made for them there's so much money that's spent of course but it's it's this is where we're going. It all feels that way. And if you're not sensing it, I feel like you're not paying attention or we're dead wrong. But but I don't think we are in this case. Something something is is coming. And we still I mean, we still have chaos here at home. There, there was there was more chaos at the White House after after strikes in Yemen. There was more chaos about Palestine, all of that stuff. There was here was a scene at the White House this weekend. Take a look. So these protests turn out so much more differently when you don't let people in. Right. <laughs> but I mean, people were pu- pushing back against fences, trying to scale fences at, at various points of the night. And what's interesting is it doesn't seem like they're going to be rounded up, thrown in the gulag for, gulag for 20 years. Like it doesn't seem like that kind of response is going to happen. The double standards are, are out there, utterly absurd. And look, they, they have their right to protest. I think most of what they're protesting is, is, is wrong, but they still do. But when you start getting aggressive and then there's no consequences, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there's there's going to be nothing. Nothing is going to happen in this. I'm sure there were no arrests made. And if they were, they were just they, they bonded out or there was no bond and right. charges are going to be dropped. And, you know, and going back to, you know, my uh, uh, um, comparison between a Hollywood script or a TV script and what the propaganda of the United States government engages in. Just look at the January 6th. Trump was your ultimate bad guy in that. But then you have peripheral characters like the uh, QAnon shaman, the lectern guy, you had, you know, and, and, you know, Q grandma that was in there. Right. And, and then you, and then of course you had Ashley Babbitt who the left somehow justifies her cold blooded murder by Michael Byrd and then makes Michael Byrd some kind of a hero. It's just amazing the way that the propaganda works within our government. It is. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And the bad guys are always turned in. I mean, we talked about it right after October 7. Look how quickly Palestinians and Hamas became the victims in all of this. They just executed just the most uh, uh, awful, atrocious acts. 
and all of a sudden, okay, hold on. Uh, people have responded a little too harshly to to the terrorists and Palestine here. We're going to actually flip the script and take their side here, and we want it to. It, 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 you're so right. It's ridiculous. Let's move on to something a little different. Let's shake things up with a with a mid-show question of the day. You set disco. Here's my question. Let's get off war for a second, and and let you got to be straight with me. We're 15 days into January. So my question is this, and it's actually a two-part question. Only one part, depending on how you answer the first part. Did you set a New Year's resolution, and are you sticking with it? Again, I ask, did you set a New Year's resolution, and are you sticking with it? As you guys send your answers in, Tom? I normally don't partake in New Year's resolutions, but my wife wanted to try dry January, so I decided, eh, may as well too, and yes, we have stuck with it. We're on week three without a drop of alcohol, either of us. Very nice. Okay, I like it. Now, but does that does that fall into resolution category? Is that more like, is dry January just a, a month challenge? I, I think it could be both. I mean... Yeah, I, I think for the two of us, it's just a month. It may go on from there. Um, but if I if I were to say that I do have a resolution, is I want to run in more road races or trail races. Uh, 2022 was kind of a weird year, and I, I did not run in any sort of road race or trail race. The only time, the last time I did was 2021. So I would, for myself, if I were to say a re resolution, it would be to compete more in races. Yeah. That's been a huge part of your life for so long. It has been kind of, has been quiet. Well, it's, it's been a crazy world. And you're going to run in, in a, a mayoral race too, right? Are you still going to try to, <laughs> I would like to, I mean, that's still the goal is to run for the mayor of Jacksonville beach. Well, we've got a uh, we've got a company who knows how to make commercials, yeah. and campaign ads. So, so we need to make them cheesy as all. Well. <laughs> it would work in Jack's speech. They'd be like, "Hell yeah, that's my guy!" Uh, that'd be great. It'd be great. Uh, Disco. Any New Year's resolution? Are you sticking with? I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions. Um, if I have a goal, I'm just going to set. I'm going to go for it. Uh, the the new year is not like the. The time, you know, it's not like everyone's like, oh, it's it's January 1st. I got to do it. I, I'm going to start whenever. I don't have to have the new year be it. Now, one thing I, I you know. Now, the one thing I have done this year, it wasn't because of the new year. It was just, oh, the new month is coming and I'm just going to, but it was, I'm going to be drinking less. And I have been drinking a lot less. I think I've had one drink in the past two and a half weeks. So, okay. yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, I'm just not a fan of resolutions. I didn't set any resolutions. I never, I can't think of a, a time in recent years where I've set a resolution um, because you do. I mean, typically, typically you give up on them pretty quick because it's arbitrary, right? And it doesn't matter. And, you, and then people get judgy on themselves like, oh, I suck. It's like, well... Maybe next year you can try and be better. No, just, just be better. Just, just flip the script. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, I'm always curious. Some people are so committed to what's it going to be this year. What's it going to be? I'm going to, I'm going to organize my kitchen and I'm going to keep it organized. Or I'm going to take some weight off. Or I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be more day. outgoing. No, you're not. Like, like, I'm just always, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I think it's an interesting thing. You guys keep sending your responses in. Hit that like button if you have not already. And let's continue on with the show. 
So there's a couple things I didn't get to discuss Thursday because we had sickness rolling through the studio, and one of which is John Fetterman. Because this new Fetterman, like since Fetterman stroked out and then went to the hospital and came out, and, and there was at first the, the whole dress code saga that had people divided, yada, yada, yada. This is stroke two, right? Because didn't he have one before he was, when he was running, right? Didn't he have it? Well, they well, had the stroke. He checked himself. He checked himself in for depression. Right. The, the second was not a stroke. Oh, I thought he had a stroke before. And that's why he had a hard time reading. No. And all that stuff. Like when no, he was. The stroke was during the campaign. Yes. But then didn't he have another one? No. After? He checked no. himself into rehab. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so he goes into rehab, and he comes out and new Fetterman's kind of cool. I, we disagree on on most everything. But he, he's getting some things right. We keep showing clips where it's like, who the hell is this guy? So a not depressed Fetterman is a good Fetterman. Not depressed Fetterman <laughs> still still is a sloppy dresser, but he's got some better ideas. Here was uh, him, him slamming South Africa for hypocrisy with them weighing in on the whole Palestine-Israel thing. Take a listen. Who are we, who are they really fighting? It's a group of cowards. They hide in tunnels. They hide behind civilians. They attack, kill, and mutilate children, women, and they do that. Stop talking about proportion on that. They shot their best shot on October 7th, and they would have taken more lives if they couldn't do that, but they couldn't do it. And now let's also talk about that. Now we're talking about genocide. And now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a, a trial. Maybe South Africa being going to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, yeah, murdering white farmers, not a good look for them. Maybe, maybe. Do sit this one out. And look, John Fetterman's delivery still not great. He's not the most articulate sounding creature on the planet, no doubt. But he keeps getting some things right, Tom. Tom's Tom. muted. Yeah. I'm sorry. That I muted yeah. on my end. I was taking a drink of water. Uh, he does keep getting things right. Uh, I, I think it was the October 7th where he just sort of had this epiphany of what's going on here because then right after that he started talking about you can't have a country unless you produce your own steel and it's like whoa yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, and now he's talking border and uh, the border yeah oh tom's frozen he is frozen he's just he's so deep in thought. We'll just come to you, and then when we get him back, we'll... we'll... No, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's remarkable, and, you know, it, it, that is a key point where he, he was talking about October 7th, and then and then you come back, and I don't remember which was which was first or when his first comment was, because he's made actually several now about the border. You come back, and, and you reference that, and he's like, my colleagues are blind. There's a huge issue we're facing on the border, and we have to call it what it is. And, and I'm sure that people behind the scenes are like, what are we doing? We drug this stroke victim across the line, and now he's <laughs> challenging us on some key issues. And the funny thing is, he's a lot more conservative than what Dr. Oz would have been, which oh, yeah. is amazing to me. Dr. Oz, is, but, I'm so glad that didn't happen. We can't, we can't back ever to elect a daytime television host. Anywhere. <laughs> Only nighttime ones. Only nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> True. 
Well, getting back to Fetterman, he's absolutely right. Nothing drives me more insane is when I start getting lectured to about race relations by South Africans. It <laughs> right. is the funniest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. And for South Africans to you know weigh in on anything when it comes to you know their, their stance right now and their president actively calling for the genocide of white South Africans is atrocious. And he's right. They need to sit it out. There's a lot of things that, you know, there's some things the United States, quite frankly, should sit it out on when it comes to, you know, things going on around the world. Yeah, absolutely. You can say it for anyone. It's not, it's not, it's really not exclusive to anyone, but there are. Let's, okay, who, who's saying this? Are, are you standing on some more pure ground here? No one's perfect, right? We're all black-hearted sinners. But when it comes to geopolitics and, and internal country, domestic policies, how people are, yeah, you, you absolutely cannot be South Africa and weigh in on this. And, 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 and yet they are. And you've got the most challenged well i don't even know it's not true anymore i was gonna say the most challenged u.s uh, senator calling them out on it which is not a good look for them but he's really not i mean you've you've got a lot of people who i think are, are worse off than john fetterman i i never in a million years thought that i would be saying this at this point but then you start seeing him make some sense is he is he the best thing to look at no does he sound like he struggled through Hooked on Phonics 1 and 2? Yes, still still probably needs to go back to it. But, but, but he's, making, he, he's making some points that are spot on. Right, and no matter, he, he could have three more strokes and you know lose the ability to speak, and he'd still be a lot more articulate than Hank Johnson. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, especially Hank Johnson. <laughs> Maxine Waters, I promise I'm not going after just blacks here. AOC, you've got, I mean, the list just goes on and on. There's a lot who are not very, very sharp there. Now, I would like to know, like, who is on Fetterman's staff or in, who was there before, like, when he was getting first into office and his speeches, you could tell they had a slight tone to it, all, way, leaning way left, all those things and stuff he'd bring up. And then, like you said, he kind of came out of this depression, out of the stroke, all that stuff. And now he's seeing stuff the other way. Did he lose a writer? Is he? Is this literally just him? Or are these prepared marks from someone on his staff that he's repeating? But but at the same time too, in that in that one there, you could tell like this was some this was something that was inside of him that he wanted to talk yeah, out. I, I, my you know. guess would be is 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 Stroke Fetterman was just eat this pudding, say this, you're going to get five of the, the 300 words right, that's okay, we'll handle it in the press. And now he comes out and he's a little bit more with it, obviously still has some struggles, he went through a lot, and he's like, no. I'm not going to read that. I'm going to just do this. And it's strange. Yeah, this is not us siding with John Fetterman. Yeah. This is just us citing the fact that this is a different John. He seems like he's more America first right now than he was when he was running. Well, I don't know if he's America. I'm not saying that he is. He's, I'm saying he's, he's, he's more common sense. Yeah. Call something what it is. Tom, you were going to say something. Yeah, I just find it strange that he goes into he checks himself into the hospital for depression. His wife goes on vacation with the kids to Niagara <laughs> Falls. He comes out. He has, He's done almost a 180 on what he believes, and we don't see hide nor hair of the old lady. We yeah, have no true. idea where she is. Yeah. 
that might be the influence that was, that you know brought him along with his socialist views and for one reason or another she's not in the picture so we see a different sort of Fetterman which has the appearances of being like an old school JFK Democrat still liking the country still wanting to make sure that Americans keep their jobs and saying that we need a secure border to protect our sovereignty yeah well and you bring up a key point in there our key statement within your broader point that is just worth having because every time this comes up every time RFK comes up on the show or Fetterman with him getting something right like oh they're still awful and they're this that and the other. here look everyone you you can all have your own views of what's awful what's not awful it's a free country for a few more minutes but for me and I think collectively here just on the show the mindset is do you love America? Do you like America? We can disagree on policies, but do you like America and not want to radically overhaul and change everything about it? You do You do like the country? Okay, cool. We've got some common ground. I don't hate RFK Jr. As we get to know post-stroke free Fetterman, I don't hate the guy. I disagree with them on so many things, but you know why? It's because if we can if we can start somewhere that's positive, like we agree that this is a great country worth fighting for, even even if some of our policies and where we want to go from here are different, that's reasonable. I can live with that. If you're if you're a squad member who says we have to burn the system down and is ashamed to be a part of it, yet takes full advantage of all the benefits that it gives them as, as an American citizen, as a member, a sitting member of Congress, whatever the case, you get the point. That's a different story. You're vile, vicious people in the squad. Someone like this, like, like RFK, oh, he, but he's so different on policy. I don't care. I don't care if you're different. I don't want to be the same as everyone. I don't want you to be the same. I don't want to be the same. That's that's what makes this thing interesting. And that doesn't mean I'm going to vote for these people. That's a totally different level. But all that to say. Yeah, it, all it says is, you know, it's people like us in RFK, and I'm sure that there are some other Democrats out there who have their beliefs, but they also, we have a commonality with other things that we like. I don't like the fact that RFK believes that guns should be banned or assault weapons should be banned. That that right there is a disqualifier for me. Do I like RFK on his views of big pharma and, and the jab? Yes, I like that a lot. Do I like the fact that he wants to hold Big Pharma and Tony Fauci accountable for the horrors that they've inflicted on the United States over the last 40 years? Yes. Do I like his, his ideas of conservation? Yes. I love being out and, you know, I'm an outdoorsman. I enjoy the outdoors and I want to preserve the outdoors. Does he... Does he engage in that? Yes. There are a lot of things that I agree with him on, but there are a couple of things that are real, you know, no-go zones for me, like climate change. You know, it's just and what he wants to do to prevent, you know, a tenth of a degree going up in the next 200 years. Right. Those are the things that kind of split us off. 
But do I think that I could hang out with him and learn falconry from him? Yes. Would I enjoy that? Yes. Do I think that, you know, in his heart of hearts, he likes the country? Yes. So I, there's more, to me, there's more yeses to him than there are no's. Again, the no's would definitely not get me to vote for him for president, but the yeses offer an opening to a conversation to have. What if, what if though, the worst happens with Trump? We're going to talk Trump here in a second. What if the worst happens with Trump and the establishment gets their way and it's Joe Biden versus Nikki Haley and then RFK in the wings as an independent? Hmm? That's a tough one because Nikki Haley will say that she's for the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Constitution, all this. She's not. She represents the worst of both parties. And I, you know what? At that point, I would be like, I'm done because the system is so far rigged that it doesn't matter anymore. That's fair. I, I think, I think, I think honestly, that's the appropriate answer. I think it's either a, a, a no vote or an, or an RFK vote if, if you can stomach some of his policies. But, but Haley is a no-go. Haley's a no-go. Uh, I, th I think I saw this morning Trump was up by 22 points now or, or 28 points or something like that now. For tonight in Iowa or yeah. just in general? For tonight in Iowa. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Trump. Let's because he well, as a step back last week, we we're going to show this one on Thursday, too. Trump said during the town hall on Fox News that he knows who his vice president is going to be. Take a listen. Who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Christy for vice president? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. Now, I do want to get to this other question before. All right, so obviously he's not going to say anything yet, and he's not going to tell Fox News, uh, I would think, as, as his first place as the big reveal. But he's got him picked. A lot of people saying, oh, it's Tucker, it's Tucker. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. It doesn't matter what I think. It frankly doesn't matter what a lot of us think. I'm not trying to offend you, uh, but if it does, I also don't care. The, uh, <laughs> He, he's not going to pick, I don't think, any of these candidates that are running. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people out there saying, what if it's Haley? I, golly, I hope he doesn't do that. We talked about it on Coin Club the other day. I think we've talked about it on the main show here, too. If that happens, he's going, he, he will still keep a lot of his base, but there's a lot of people I know that are in his base, too, who will not vote for him because of, of their hatred for that woman. But I don't know. What's your pick, Tom? Man, what my pick is and what I think the reality is are two different things. Tell us both. My pick, my pick would be for somebody like a Tucker Carlson or a Vivek. Those are the two. I'm, I'm sick of career politicians. Joni Ernst, if I see her one more time in Iowa <laughs> slogging along, I'm just uh, – she that woman makes me want to vomit just by the sight of her. Um but what I think, what my gut is telling me, and I know Trump went down this road before with Pence, it just, it feels like Nikki Haley is the safe option because that, that gives him cover to the deep state. Yeah. I don't like it. I see, 
the mindset that people on their staff and he would would, would how they would arrive there i can I, I don't agree with it but i could see how they could think that makes sense i hope that's not the case i hope it's not the case at all and i honestly I hope just, it's not one of these vanity people out there too that everyone wants it to be i think it's got to be someone that does have strategic value in the election not just look i love tucker who well i was gonna say who doesn't love tucker there's plenty of people who don't love tucker but I don't know that that brings you any actual value to the ticket. I, I think that you need someone who does bring a little, a, a little different flavor to to the election. I just hope it's not a, a deep stater uh, like like Nikki, who, for all intents and purposes, is a Democrat. Yeah, and I wish there was somebody in some kind of a swing state that he could tap on just so we could, you know, be assured that, that that's, we could wrap up that swing state. Right. But unfortunately, there's nobody there. You know, Brian Kemp, you know, he, he he's not, he, he's a communist. Yeah. He's a deep stater along with the rest of them. They can say they're not communist, but, you know, if you're part of the Uniparty, you're part of the communist agenda. And right now, it looks to me that the establishment Republicans are way worse than the Democrats are because of their duplicity. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And you can't go the opposite direction, as we've talked about. A lot of people, oh, we, we need, it's got to be Carrie Lake. No, that doesn't do any good. The people who are going to vote for Trump— are, are, are the same people who voted for Carrie Lake. You, you need someone different. Carrie Lake, I, I have no objection to Carrie Lake. I like Carrie Lake. But you, it's got to be someone It's got to be someone in between. And I, I don't know who that person is either. But we'll see. We will find out. Tonight, obviously, a, a big night kicking off the GOP primary with the Iowa caucus. Cold as balls there. And we'll see where all of it goes. But going into this, kind of the interesting turn of events, not really that surprising, was this new kind of deal between Trump and Vivek. You had Trump put this message out on Truth Social. Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter, the best president in generations, in quotes there, something that Vivek said, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks, very sly very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this vote for Trump. Don't waste your uh, your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall. MAGA, exclamation point, exclamation point, and a third exclamation point. So he goes after Vivek, which... That's that's Trump's thing, right? Trump tr Trump kind of gets into these schoolboy spats and says some of these things. Not surprising. Vivek comes out. Yeah, you're going to have to scroll with me on this one, Disco, because this is a long one. And responded, and I, I, I'm going to be honest, Trump supporters might not like that I'm agreeing with what Vivek says here. Uh, I'm not necessarily agreeing with everything he says either. I like his, his, his tone and his overall approach. I'll read what he, he said in response. Yes, I saw President Trump's truth social post. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Thank you. We could end it right there. Yeah, <laughs> done. I, that's, that, that has been my biggest problem with not – look, we've got huge problems with the GOP writ large – being duplicitous, as Tom told us, we've got this fake opposition party who dicks us over half the time. Well, not half the time, all the time. And then we've got all the people in the GOP, the voting base, who's at each other's throats and fighting and getting people in these gotcha moments all the time. It's like, what are you doing? Stop it. Anyways, let's continue on. Well, we can talk about that in a second. I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, Vivek says, and I'm not going to criticize him in response to this late attack. 
I've met tens of thousands of Iowans across 390 plus events here, and they are deeply worried, and so am I, that this system won't allow Donald J. Trump anywhere near the White House again. It seems they will stop at nothing to keep him away from power. I'm worried for Trump. I'm worried for our country. I've stood up against the persecutions against Trump, and I've defended him at every step. I showed up, the Miami, up, up, up at the Miami courthouse in solidarity following his first federal indictment. I filed a FOIA demand to the Biden DOJ. I submitted an amicus brief this week with the U.S. Supreme Court calling on them to overturn Colorado's ruling. I pledged to remove myself from Maine's and Colorado's primary ballots if they remove Trump, calling on DeSantis and Haley to do the same. He continues, but we have to open our eyes. Last time, it was a man-made pandemic and big tech election interference. Now, the same billionaires funding the lawsuits against Trump are the ones trying to prop up Nikki Haley. The same mainstream blasting Trump is lavishing praise on Nikki. They want to narrow it to a two-horse race between Trump and Haley, eliminate Trump one way or the other, and trot their puppet into the White House. That's very true. We can't fall for that trap. One year from now, we won't look back and say we were shocked that it happened. We'll kick ourselves for not stopping it. Uh, our movement must live on. America First didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. We owe it to our founding fathers to do the right thing for our country. I want to save Trump and save this country. Let's do it together. You won't hear any friendly fire from me. So I love the tone. You could say gamesmanship. He's a, he's a aspiring politician. You could say whatever you want. But I do like the tone. I hate the infighting. I loathe the infighting. I just don't like it. And I agree. There was another clip we were going to show last week, too, talking about how the establishment wants this to be a two-horse race. And they do. Look, look at we, – and we talked – I think we talked about that last week. Look at what the, the, the general messaging <clears throat> has been on, on DeSantis. They've kind of gotten to the point where, and look, I'm not saying DeSantis has run a great campaign. He hasn't. There's been some failures there. But we've gotten to the point where they are kind of building up Trump again as they're concurrently building up Haley, clearly as the establishment pick. You've got the wild card, the maverick over here, who no one likes in permanent Washington, in Trump, and then <laughs> including the left, but including the right too. And they're doing everything they can to get him off the ballot or out of the way. Their goal is to do that. And I, we've said long before, I don't see him being there in the end. I know that gets some of you guys into a kerfuffle, but it's, that's what I see. I don't see him being in the end. I hope he is. But I, I, I don't see it. And you see this and you see the info, all this to say, as, as we are on this Iowa caucus day, and I'm said kerfuffle, and now just a rhyme there. It's become totally Dr. Seuss. And then also Iowa Caucus Day, like it's Memorial Day or something. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, man, the state of politics in this country is so broken. Our rules, our systems, so broken, so manipulated. You see the infighting. And I, I don't even think Trump necessarily meant ill will with it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I just don't love it going in. Vivek didn't have a chance in the first place. I like his response here. Tom, what was your take on, on this little spat? I think if you're on Team Trump, you're on Team Trump. If he views you as an opponent, as an opponent, he's going to go after you. Right. It's nothing personal. It's just what he does. He did it. We saw him do it in business, you know, for 50 years. Vivek's response was 
spot on. That that was the best response that you could do. He's an you know up and comer when it comes to politicians. I don't know you know what his career holds for him, but he that tweet he definitely took the high road if you want to call it that. And the infighting, you know, there's just the thing that sucks about infighting is the fact that it. People get bloodied so badly that a lot of times that their careers are over. Yeah. You know, look at look what Trump did to Jeb Bush. He's done. Yeah. No matter what he does, he's done. Uh, you know, and it was the one line, your brother lied to the American people. People are never going to forget that. So Jeb's career is done. Little Marco, <laughs> you can't look at Marco Rubio. You know, way. yeah, he, he's done. You know, the the only person that I, well, and Ted Cruz, you know, lying Ted Cruz, you know, it's stuck. We're still saying it to this day. And unfortunately, we've seen that happen to DeSantis, who we talk about this all the time because we live in Florida. He's been a good governor for us. We enjoyed it. But it, it seems like his political career and aspirations are over with because he's, it, I think, done. No, I, I do too. I, and I, I do like the guy a lot. He's, I think he's the best governor in America. I, I think that he's done outstanding things. I, I think that he would have had more potential maybe down the road than this one because of the Trump factor. But yeah, I think at the, the end result, it's not me wanting it. I know there's some of you on the right who are diehard ultra mega types who are for some reason wanting that, even though you loved him six, 12 months ago, which do that, that introspection on your own. But he, I, I, that, that's brass tacks. He's, he's going to be done. This, this is, this has been devastating to him. He's going to be fine, you know, in terms of a, a person, in terms of his family, in terms of his finances. He'll, he'll land on his feet and be okay. But he's not going to hit the political aspirations that were there because there was a huge ceiling for him, and now it's, it's, it's not there, not there at all. Well, you know, so the mean tweets, the st- you know, even something like this, like he's attacking Vivek or whatever, you know, whatever he's doing. We've we've only seen that side of Trump since there was social media, and what Twitter was created in 2006. Well, this is a letter that Trump wrote <laughs> to Mark Cuban in 2004 when a show that Mark Cuban tried to start called The Benefactor. So he's been trolling people even before that, and he writes them letters. <laughs> I'm truly very sorry that your show has been canceled for lack of ratings. When I initially called you to congratulate you on the benefactor, little did you or I realize how disastrous and embarrassing it would turn out to be for you. <laughs> if you ever decide to do another show, please call me and I will be happy to lend a helping hand. Signed up. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like, so he's been doing it oh. way before Twitter was around. No oh. one just knew because he was just sending letters. No, like, for, <laughs> forever and a day, man. And business and all of that stuff. I mean, the dude just goes, and look, I, I can't verify if that was a real letter or not. I'm sure it was. Th- that was goes for the jugular. So that was a Pasobic tweet, but it was an image that Junior had put out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, could, he goes right for it. Yeah, Trump did that. You know, I, I, you know, was sort of secondary to being on the receiving end of that during the Emmy nominations when I was working on Amazing Race, and Amazing Race kept winning over and over again for Best Reality Show, and it was up against 
the premise. And I can remember Trump saying, that's such a dumb show. Those people running around in backpacks through the airports and put on stupid hats. <laughs> yeah. You know, he wanted to win an Emmy bad. So we were the enemy. He wanted, he needed to conquer us. Yeah. That's him, man. And, and like it or don't like it. There's parts of Trump I don't like. There's parts of Trump I straight up love. And, you know, that, and those things can be true at once. I know a lot of people out there don't think that's possible, but you'll get there. You'll get there. Two things can be true at once. Wrapping up for tonight, it's the Iowa caucus. You've got Trump, who's, who's projected by most polls. You know where I stand on polls. I think they're dumb as shit and, 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 and do very little in terms of telling us the truth. But when there's, when there's big leads and big margins, you can usually have a little bit more trust in that, right? And most of them have Trump pretty sizably up over Haley and DeSantis going in there. So I, it, it should be cut and dry. It should be a win for Trump, uh, a stinging loss for the establishment, Nikki Haley, <clears throat> and, and possibly the end of a campaign for DeSantis. But we, I mean, I, I don't know, right? I mean, we, it sh- should, should be cut and dry and is cut and dry are not the same things. We also, as a society, should be able to define what a woman is, have a government that actually likes us and cares for us. As it stands, neither are the case. So I would just say don't get too comfortable with anything at this point. Should be a Trump victory. Should be pretty easy Trump victory. I don't know. We'll see. Call me a pessimist if you want. I would just say that I'm a realist who always hopes for the best, prepares for the worst. We'll see what happens. Uh, we should know here in, in just hours what, what happened in Iowa. We'll see. Tom, any last-minute predictions from you? Uh, I think Trump takes the Iowa caucus. Uh, I think DeSantis will come in second. Haley will be in third. And Vivek will have a better showing than most of us think that he was going to have. Okay. There it is. You guys hit that like button on the way one, out. One thing, one thing before we go, I just want to mention this because we talk a lot about, you know, veterans and so forth. Uh, today, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. A friend of mine's father passed away, so I was at the uh, the, fun- the services for him. And I just want to read this because we always talk about, you know, we, you know, when we're gone, the dash, you know, between when you were born and to the day that you die, what you do in this dash. Vernon Bagley was a Patriot war hero with two purple hearts, two bronze stars with V, the Vietnamese gallantry cross with gold star, combat uh, infantryman, uh, infantryman's badge, plus various other awards. He participated in the Tet Offensive, was in country from 1967 to 1972. Uh, he was an entrepreneur helping uh, to found Air One Airlines. He also founded the Military Families Foundation and Project We Remember. He was also a published author, a radio host, an avid lover of music. Um, He was very passionate about uh, helping uh, veterans and support that they needed. In later years, Drew, you like this. In his later years, he played the harmonica, enjoyed cigars and wine next to his pool. You talk about somebody who lived a full life. 
Vern Bagley definitely lived a full life, being able to have all those accomplishments, and especially returning from Vietnam and not knowing that he was suffering from PSD because they called it shell-shocked back then, right. but being able to put that deep with inside himself to still be able to be an author, to be a radio host, to found an airline. I can't imagine how difficult that is. It, I'm sure it's as difficult as founding a uh, conservative media company. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what was I thinking? Uh, yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad you shared that and, and glad you got to be there for that. Um, you know, what a remarkable life. Yeah. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, it, it, those list of medals that I read, it, it, just one quick story from the eulogy. His son brought this up is the fact that during the Tet Offensive, uh, Vern had to take a hill and was ordered to take this hill. And he had 12 hours to take the hill. As he was going up the hill, he suffered five uh, KIAs and three casualties. And one of the KIAs was his medic. He made it halfway up the hill. A lieutenant colonel was flying over. Over and told him to get his ass up the hill and he said you come down here and you fucking help me fight or else you know it's not going to happen at the end of the day Vern took the hill with two other soldiers wow. and for for his accomplishment of taking the hill the lieutenant colonel brought him up on court-martial charges <laughs> of course that's uh... for insubordination but the, but but that the, the his commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonels, told him not to do it if he wanted to further his career in the military. So the charges were dropped. But Vern was never given a medal for good conduct because of that incident. It's a classic, classic example of people on the ground knowing exactly what's going on and being better than the people in the air. Hundred mm -hmm. freaking percent. I love it. I love it. Sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, so appreciative of people like him uh, who have served and are continuing to serve despite all the chaos out there and despite the people that I endured too, who are just atrocious leaders who have no business being in charge or, or having any role or function in national security. Uh, all right, folks, thanks so much for being with us. <clears throat> Enjoy playoff football tonight if you're doing that. If you're going to sit around and watch politics and, and see what's going on in Iowa, enjoy that too. I just might encourage that you have a drink with that just because politics are nasty. Uh, but we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Coin Club will be back tomorrow. It was off today because of, of MLK Day and holidays and some of the chaos, which I had honestly, if I'm being totally transparent, forgotten about. So we'll be back with that tomorrow, the main show here as well. Please do hit that like button on the way out, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tuesday, be safe, be smart, be free.